Hello and welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I'm your host, Fergus. On this episode, The Arsenal, the tale of two finals. We talk about two finals. One was very, very victorious and adventurous. It was the 1979 FA Cup final against Manchester United. And the other one was the 2006 Champions League final in Paris against Barcelona. We also have a question posed to the panel. Um, and we also have a, a very raucous start because we do have a chat beforehand before we press the record uh, button, and it was so funny. I just I was in fits of uh, of tears when it started. Listen, this is an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Stay home, stay safe, and enjoy the show. Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello. Uh, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Uh, we were having a little bit of a chat before this and uh, we've all got a little... A touch of the giggles. Um, so, yeah, uh, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. We've got Trev... Professional as ever, Fergus. Does my beard look a bit bushy? I have more to push the better trip, that's what they say, you know what I mean? So, we are here today to try and cheer up ourselves and you guys in this uh, time of lockdown, uh, and there's not much football to talk about except for some of the old, older football. Uh, we're going to look back at um, a couple of games in particular. Uh, we're going to look back at the game that was on ITV on Saturday. Uh, it was the 1979 FA Cup final, uh, and we're also going to look at a very, uh, very good game. I just watched it, but sadly with a, a poor outcome, which was the Paris 2006 Champions League final. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Ash. Back again. How are you, Ash? How are you keeping? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you guys? Yeah, sweet, got tears in my eyes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> Trev, you, you, you're back with a bushy beard. I am, mate. Very bushy beard. Just how I like it, mate. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Hello, Ash. Nice to meet you, Ash. Never met you before, pal. Uh, yeah, looking forward to this. Like talking about the old days, and uh, yeah, let's get yeah, going. You're gonna have to inform me. I'm a bit young. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Mr. Judges, oh, welcome back you. again. To Thank you very row. much. Thanks for the invite again. I'm, I'm honoured. I'm honoured to be asked twice back in a row, like you know. So uh, yeah, looking forward to this one. Um, been a couple of good games on that. I watched Euro '96 game yesterday, England versus Switzerland, which was. Uh, just realise how, how lucky England were. And uh, I don't know how you can watch the Paris game. I don't know how you can put yourself through that. I've never put myself through it since I've never, I could never watch that again. I could never. No. Mm. But good luck to you. Right? I was very drunk the first time round, so yeah. I needed to remember some oh. of it for tonight. No. And Potty, um, you've changed location, different room? Yeah, man, spare room with my Thierry Henry. Uh... Artist drawing on the wall, man. My uncle drew this, believe it or not. Very, very good art artist. Now, I was saying to you boys before, I wanted him to put a shirt on me wall, like an Arsenal shirt. Went down for a brew, come back up to give him his brew, and Henri was on me wall. I thought, you're kidding me. This will do. So, yeah, very, very, uh, very, very happy uh, 
but uh, with this drawing. So, um, but good to be here. Uh, 2006, wow. First 70 minutes was amazing. And then uh, I think, uh, yeah, stop there. But, He's got uh, one more to this. on the other side, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I've got Harry Styles on the, yeah. Harry, Harry Styles on the other wall. We ain't seeing that. <laughs> I like, I like oh, Harry Styles. He's got, long, he's got bushy hair. Harry, Harry Styles has got bushy hair, mate. He's got long hair, Harry. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> so, we're going to talk about uh, the 79 FA Cup final. Ash, you weren't... Even a twinkle in your dad's eye, I think, is the no, word you said before we came on. Yeah, um, I had to, I had to actually go back and do some research um, for it. So, um, what a game! Like, what an absolute game! And um, I don't want to touch on it in a bit more detail, but um, a lot happened, especially in that last five minutes. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. And Dan, you obviously, you were it's what many years before you were born. I was born in 87, man, so never had the pleasure. But do you know what? I watched it and uh, straight away I thought, Liam Brady, mm. what a player. Jesus, mm. that lad. I mean, I've never seen him play. I've only seen clips on YouTube and what have you. So to watch an actual full game of him pulling the strings, man, he'd walk into any side in the Premier League now. Walk into it. He was that good. Uh, and there were some players that I'd not really known much about that I saw. Obviously, I knew Pat Rice, and he was he was a great, great right back. He played quite well there. I thought uh, there was Talbot and obviously Alan Sunderland. Who, I mean, I must admit, it, it weren't much different with some of our defending, was it? I mean, Christ, it looked exactly the same. I thought it was Mustafi and Socrates there to one stage. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and then it got to the stage where it was an unbelievable ending. And um, literally, like, goal, 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 weren't it? You know, three goals yeah. within minutes. What an ending to a final. And, uh, yeah, loved it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. But Lee and Brady, oh, man, head and shoulders above the rest. Lee, Lee Trev, uh, you guys, uh, it would have been more... Like, I was only I was only eight years of age. I know you guys were slightly a little bit older than me. Uh, not hugely, but just a little bit. Um, uh, <laughs> but you would have seen seen more of, of that era of football. And we've done it when we were chatting last week about uh, the generations of football and so on. But 79... Um, the, players that um, Dan has mentioned, uh, Pat Jennings, I'd heard of and known, uh, you know, been an Irishman and everything else. Liam Brady, uh, unbelievable. Couldn't believe how fantastic Ooh. he was. I knew he was good in green. I'd never seen him play properly in yellow or red before. And uh, he, as Dan rightly said, could easily have fitted in to our side today and replace Santi Cazola or something like that. Um Talbot, I'd never heard of Talbot. I'd never, I'd never seen Pat Rice play. Um, Sunderland, I'd heard obviously Alan Sunderland with his goal, his big bushy hair and his uh, moustache. Uh, but guys, Lee, go first. What was your thoughts on the game um, and your memories of the game more as well? Oh, I remember um, I was uh, I was eleven at the time. Worked it out now. I was eleven, so. Um, so uh, um, but my yeah, the memories of the game is that I didn't go. My dad, my dad um, went to the game. There's a player in in a team called David Price, who uh, my dad knew, so uh, he he got his tickets off of him, like you know. So the next cup final in 1980, I, 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 my dad managed to get me the tickets. That's my first cup FA Cup final. I just remember watching it, and funny enough, watching it now, I have to say, uh, Man United were a better side. I know, like. Um, we was two new ups and maybe we just sort of like um, sucking us onto us a little bit. But um, I, 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 Joe Jordan absolutely beasted 
Willie Young in that game with winning header after header. Willie had a real tough time against him, like you know. So uh, you know, um, but as as you said there, Liam Brady, it was just you know that's what he was doing week in week out every single game. Whenever he, whenever I went and watched him, he just got the ball and just dictated play, and had some really good players around him. You know, Frank Stapleton was a fantastic centre forward. Graham Ricks, very, very mm. underrated player. Mm. Very, very underrated player. Brian Talbot, <clears throat> as you mentioned, he, he won the FA Cup with Ipswich the year before against Arsenal and then signed for Arsenal, I think, in the um, December time or so. It might have even been the January. Trevor probably know that more than me, but um, he, I, I think he signed halfway through the season and then, then played a, a course for us in the Cup final, was a box-to-box player. And um, obviously a very, very young David O'Leary in that side, you know. And of course, Pat Jennings in goal, who we got from Spurs on a free transfer. Um, but yeah, I thought we... Uh, I think uh, the game itself, I think if Liam Brady hadn't done that, and a sensational cross by Graham Ricks, which doesn't get the, the appreciation that it deserves, <coughs> I think uh, we would have probably gone and lost that game because we just mentally had gone, you know. Man United were in the ascendancy, but... Liam Brady just does what he does best, took on a few players, broke between the lines, which we hear a lot of these days. He, he was doing that for fun back in the 70s. And, uh, you know, when that goal went in, I, I was watching it the other day and he, he still jumped up like it was then. It was You can't help it. It was one of those majestic goals. And we've had a few of them along the lines, you know, uh, last-minute winners and things like that. And uh, it was just... an. I think really, you know, all cup finals, you know, like the two uh, Ipswich one before the West Ham game after that, a lot of those sort of FA Cup ties were one nils. So um, not a great look. But that one was, uh, if you look back on the time, that one was a 3-2 and that, that's, that was a, a high scoring cup final for the first time in a long while. And that's why I think it's so memorable. <clears throat> And Frank Stapleton, um, who was our number nine, I think, at that time, yeah. um, later left and went to, to Manchester United, didn't he? He did, he, he did yeah. He'd done, the, um, he'd done the dirty on us. He'd done a Robin Van Persie. Robin wasn't the, the first and certainly, you know, maybe not the last, you know. Um, it, that was a, we had a really difficult <coughs> song because we had, like, Liam Brady leave and Frank Stapleton. And they were our two, I think, best players in the team at that time. One was banging in the goals and... Um, uh, and obviously Liam, but we lost Liam Brady to Juventus, which he could uh, accept a little bit more. Uh, even to this day, you know, if like when a player leaves and he goes abroad, you you accept it. Now, obviously, mm. players didn't go abroad a lot at that at that time in in 1980, but um, but Liam Brady did. You know, like Liam Brady's last last game for us was the um, the Cup Winners Cup the following season when we lost that as well against Valencia. So um, it was that was a massive lull in the Arsenal fans base when Trevor gets back on he'll say it as well you know we'd lost Brady we'd lost uh, Frank Stapleton and all of a sudden that team sort of broke up and we had a couple of years where we were for from 81 you know not only did we have a bad not a bad well we did yeah I think we did have a bad team that Spurs started picking up as well it was you know the last two two three years of my school were horrendous because mm. Spurs, Spurs were doing well and Arsenal were just rubbish, you know, and uh, it, it was tough times, tough times after that. But that was a great I think they, Did they win the Cup in 81? Tottenham did, yeah. I we know they did, yeah. yeah. We, had, we lost to yeah. West Ham on the Saturday and then we lost to Valencia on the, on the Wednesday in the Cup Winners' Cup. And then the following season, I think if I'm 
bearing thinking of like coming to we lost probably to Everton in the first round of the FA Cup. Um, after getting there three years on the spin, we got knocked out the first round, had a horrendous year. And I think the following year in 81, we got beaten by Spurs in the third round. We had a couple of really bad, bad years. And, and those two years, yeah, Ozzy Ardiles and um, Ricky Villa, to, uh, you know, in those poxy Chet and Dave songs. You know what I mean? They, um, they started... <laughs> rubbing, rubbing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ozzy's going to Wembley. That's all we could hear. Oh, God, don't. They were bad times. And, um, <clears throat> well, yeah, so... Uh, it wasn't it wasn't good but uh great memories of, a, of of the 79 one and you just thought that if we could have kept Liam Brady like, like a lot of time kept Liam Brady kept uh, Frank Stapleton what a good side we would have we would have had because we was we did have some really good players at that stage but uh, like like the other a, they settled an observation I, I i took from it as well looking at it not only was it the big hairdos, uh, the dodgy mustaches, um, the jewellery, uh, the couple of them there, you could see yeah, the chains on yeah. and didn't take any ch- chains off, no names on the back of shirts, very little mm. branding as such. It was just literally the cotton shirt. And you, uh, if you got picked and you were given number nine, that was your position. It didn't matter if it didn't have your name or anything on the shirt. When, when was it that sh- shirt names were introduced? Can anybody remember? Wasn't it just, 90, around... just before the FA Cup final, wasn't it? I think they played it in the FA yeah. Cup final, didn't they? At 93. Was it about then? Okay. I think it was 92 because I think when the Premiership started, they started putting names on. Yeah, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. It's <clears throat> so about that time. Okay. Yeah, 20, 20, 20, it, would, it would make sense, wouldn't it? It would It would make sense that it. it I was dead against it. I don't know about you guys, but I was dead against that when that first came out. Dead against it. I thought, oh, that ain't, I don't, don't like that idea. But now it's sort of like. It's standard. quite trendy. Yeah, standard, trendy, isn't it? I think all changes when they come into the game initially, you have to kind of you're so used to stuff like the the back pass rule completely changed football. Yeah, um, like VAR this season, everyone's like, no, like what we're going to talk about in the, like the pub after or on like things like the podcast. Well, VAR's probably been had it had its own section a few times. Um, so there's always these changes kind of create conversation. And I don't think we should ever be against change, but it's just trying to see how as long as it's, it's positive change, I think that's really important. Yeah, and mm. the back back pass rule was a good one, I think, because it was even in mm. that cup final, I watched it like last minutes, couple of minutes to go. I just knock it, wait for the wait for the forward to run at them and then just knock it back to the goalkeeper, you know. So it was a little bit of time wasting, you know, he picked it up. So that, that was a good rule, and it changed changed the game uh, dramatically from from those cup finals, yeah. And hopefully we got Trevor back. I know he's uh, had a couple of issues on there, but yeah, Trev, we were just um, still talking about uh, the '79 FA Cup final. We're talking about um, Talbot, and that he was the first player uh, to play in two consecutive FA Cup finals uh, for two different teams. He signed from Ipswich Town to Arsenal and um Lee was saying he, he thought it was around the Christmas time. Can you can you remember? Hello boys. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened there, Fergus. Let's I I'm not quite sure what time he signed uh for Arsenal. Fergus, um I don't know what you've spoken about while I've been gone, but the seventy eight final, you know, we, we were dire. Probably one of the worst Arsenal performances I've ever seen in my life. Ipswich Town, I think they hit the woodwork three or four times. And Jennings had a blinder and then they, they nicked a one niller. But I am not I don't know when Sorbet signed for, for Arsenal boys. Obviously it was uh towards the end. Well, it was in, in just oh, it may be around Christmas time, but I'm not sure to be honest. 
Okay. And what did you make of the game? Because um, what's your memories of the game? Lee's gone through uh, stuff talking about like Jennings and, and, and Talbot and, and, and some of the other players. Um, what did you make of the game uh, and, and some of the changes in the style of football that there is over today and, 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 and then? Well, so we were cruising 2-0 in 79. I was at the game. I went to the final. We, we, were, we were cruising. Um, it, we were all celebrating a win, you know, getting ready for the party. Um, we'd played very well. As Dan touched on earlier, Lee Brady was outstanding. Brady was outstanding. Um, Pat Jennings was his normal commanding self. We looked really good. And then bang, bang, you blinked and, and it was too all. You blinked and it was too all. And and while you still got your head down in your hands, thinking, "Oh Jesus, how are we going to two nil up? Now we're drawing two all. How are we going to get through extra time?" You look up, the ball's in the back of the net again, and we're winning three two. You know, it was that quick. It was that quick. Um, to make to, for an olden like me to this day, the most astonishing cup final I've ever seen. I've never seen better. Never seen a better FA Cup final than that. Brilliant. You wouldn't say Chelsea won that we uh, back against them in 2017 doesn't get up there. Uh, yeah, every cup final gets up there. Every cup final gets, especially the ones you win, of course. But for yeah. pure emotion, for pure high, low, high, 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 you don't beat that 79 final. It, that that you don't beat it. You know, 79 FA Cup final, 89 at Anfield. The two games for me that have given me the greatest pleasure ever in my life. Without a doubt. Brilliant. And um, what did you make of uh, the Man United side? Because uh, Lee said it earlier and I, I was had written down here that I, I thought Man United were all over us. And I thought, despite being 2-0 up, uh, we looked like we're hanging on. It didn't, you know, and when they came back... Yeah. I honestly thought, okay, yeah, you do know what the outcome is because it's a, a rerun of a game. But I honestly thought, Christ, yeah. how, how are we going to win this? Well, you, you see, I'm, I'm really sorry I missed the start of this conversation because for me, before I could talk about the final in 79, Fergus, you have to look at the earlier rounds because the third round in 1979 was unbelievable. We we had we had to play Sheffield Wednesday five times, you know, before we could beat them in the third round. We played them up at their place, and uh, their fans spent the whole game throwing snowballs at Pat Jennings uh, at Hillsborough. <laughs> then, then we drew. I can't remember the scores of all these games. Then we drew and brought them back to Highbury, and they're a third division side. I think they were at the time Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Jack Charlton was their manager, famous Irish manager Fergus, as you all know. Jack Charlton was their manager, and they came back to Ibrahim. and we were all thinking, yeah, all right, got the replay, back at Ibrahim. this is done. Drew again. So then we had to play a second replay in them days, and the second replay was at Filbert Street. And the trains were on strike that week. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Some things, when you get to my age, some things you remember really well and some things go, you know. <clears throat> so we've all piled on the Arsenal Travel Club coaches at Ibrahim because there's no trains. I used to prefer the trains. Gone up to Filbert Street for the second replay. Drew again. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus Christ. Two days later, we had to go to Filbert Street again and play them in the third replay, thinking their luck can't hold out forever. Their luck can't hold out forever. This is the fourth game now. We've got to beat them. What happened? 
Drew again. <laughs> we had to play him in for we had to play in a third. Uh, hang on a minute. One, two, three. A, 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 a full free play. <laughs> right? For, so it was the fifth game. A full free play back at Filbert Street. So it was the third time of the week we've been to Filbert Street on the buses. And we beat them at the fifth time of asking. We beat them 2-0, I think it was. I can't remember who scored. Don't ask me. But see, when I think about 1979, I remember it so well because that was the third round. I went to every game. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare because I was only 17 and, you know, I was getting back at like three or four in the morning and then going to work and my mum was nagging me, God bless her, you know. But, uh, yeah, five, five games we had against Sheffield Wednesday. Five bloody games. <laughs> when did you stop uh, all these plays then? I don't know. What do you, how long ago do you reckon, Lee? Ten, ten years ago, maybe? Yeah, it's a good question. Eh? No, it's longer yeah. than that. <clears throat> Much longer than that. Yeah, I wonder when that... It's got to be a while, hasn't it? Like, because is, it end of the eight, is it the end of the 80s? I feel like it's the end of the 80s. Yeah, no, yeah it might be, because we uh, went... We played yeah. Liverpool enough times in the, in the following year, didn't we, Trev? You know, in, I think in, in the semi final, that was yeah. was it semi final, yeah, semi final, yeah, semi final. Yeah. Yeah. We we played, eventually beat them on the Thursday and played on the Saturday, if I remember right, or the Wednesday and then played yeah. on the Saturday. Um, yeah, I think we had four yeah, goals against them, Lee. You're right, yeah, yeah. That's a good yeah. question. When was the last time that was sort of stopped? Because it was I only do, one replay, three penalties, then, wasn't it? They, they were yeah. still doing second replays at least. Um, when the Premier League started, because I do remember, I'm I'm more or less mostly Premier League football that I've watched, um, and uh, I do remember seeing second uh, replays. The Liverpool one in particular sticks in mind. I think there was also a Sheffield uh, United one. I think we played in some early rounds of some cup, and it was a second replay as well. So I don't know, um, guys. Anything to finish up on the 79 FA Cup final? Anything to finish up on there? Any any lasting memories, Dan, uh, Ash? I, I think for me, yeah, having watched kind of football nowadays to that, you sometimes think, oh, going all the way back, what's the game going to be like? But the game was really enjoyable. It had a good tempo to it, like good pace. And I think someone spoke about Ricks a bit earlier, but I think he got a couple of assists in that game and he was very, very good. And that kind of left-hand side of, of like, um, Brady, who was outstanding. The first note I made was he's absolutely bossing this game. Um, and it's like when he got a bit tired, I think that's when United really started to kind of come back into it. But I think Graham Ricks was exceptional on, on, on that left-hand side and like quality was just consistently kind of coming in. And it was good to see because so many wingers, now they're overhitting crosses or they can't beat the first man. Yeah, so for him to be consistently putting the ball into the right areas, and the game's different now, don't get me wrong, but that's still, you still have to kind of do your job as a winger. Um, that left-hand side was really strong. And obviously the, the Arsenal that I've grown up on, our left-hand side killed teams. So I tend to look to that side anyway. And that our left-hand side was really, really strong. And that was a, a, a big telling part, part for me from that game. Yeah, it's a good Dan, point. Closing. Good point. Sorry, go on, Lee. Go on, go on, Lee. No, I'm just saying, it's a really good point about the left-hand side because that was always strong. And then, like Sammy Nelson was was the left back, and then Kenny <clears throat> Sampson come into that. Yeah, um, uh, and then, and he was quality as well. So we've always had a very very strong left side, mm. you know. And uh, you know that goes from when Julie Armstrong played there as well. And uh, yeah, so uh, Bob McNabb. So that's uh, always been a, you know, we've always been strong down that left hand side. Mm. 
Do you, do you yeah. know, it's, uh, Ash, you've made a cracking point there, son, a cracking point. And, and Lee, you're right. I think if, if you said to me, I had to go back over the years I can remember and what has consistently been a position in the Arsenal side where we've been strong, I would say left back. Yeah. You're right, Lee. You've named them there. Mm. We had we had McNabb, Sammy Nelson, uh, of course, the great Kenny Sansom, Nigel Winterburn, uh, yeah, Ashley Cole. You know, we've been consistently good at that left back. We've always had a good left back. Yeah. Good. Mm. Yeah. Andre Santos. But that, you talking about Brady, Ash. You talking about yeah. Brady, son, right? We uh we used to sing a song at the Arsenal where we all agree Brady is better than Oddle. We all agree. And then Tottenham <laughs> would sing back Oddle is better than Brady. But then then we sold Brady, we sold him to Juventus, you know. Massive loss, massive loss to the mm. Arsenal, Brady going. But as soon the week after Brady had left, all the Arsenal fans were singing, we all agree, Rick's is better than Oddle, because we had an instant like hero. To, as you just yeah. said, Brady and Rick's were brilliant. And Brady went and Rick sort of started to shine then, you know, a bit mm. more, to be honest. Yeah, brilliant days. Oh, I love it. Love it. Honestly, it was really interesting to see. Dan, anything to, to, to close up on 79 then? Nah, listen, I've talked about Brady. I think he was the main one. Ricks is a great shout as well by Ash. And I think that the one thing I did, and you talked about Monty Python before we come on, doesn't uh, Alan Sunderland look like Eric Idle? Jesus. <laughs> there is a real, there's some serious, serious connection between them two. Even now, I see a picture of him um, holding the shirt up the other day. Someone put it up on Facebook. Looks just like Eric Idle from Monty Python. Go and go and look at it, man. It's like a spitting image. But no, great, great ending, great, great game. So I think he lives in Malta now. I think. And is that where he, someone told me he lives in Malta? So I don't know if he still does. But um, yeah, I does think, he? You know, so uh, he still got a trash on the on the picture that was shown. Yeah, he was standing there with a seventy-nine um, uh, shirt, and it's his. There's his Arsenal um, football sticker, sort of home shirt. Uh, picture and then there's a picture of him in the 79 shirt um and then there's a picture of him holding up that 79 shirt his hair's obviously gone a little bit not as bad as yours lee but you know it, it, it's got a little bit and he's got a mustache <laughs> Listen, he, we... alan sunder just quickly just finding out he scored actually against spurs in the five nil win which is completely overshadowed because liam brady scores an absolute wonder going well yeah uh, yeah and yeah everybody talks about the Liam Brady goal, but he got Attrick that that day. So mm. you know, unbelievable that it hardly gets a mention because of the Liam Brady won the goal. Yeah. Great song. It was definitely yeah. it was definitely really interesting to look at football back in the day, as they say. And it was he was definitely one of those icon iconic uh, games. As as you said, loads of goals, normally one nils and, and low scoring, and you know everyone everyone holding on for. Uh, the the ninety minutes and the penalties and whatever whatever it would be uh, to have that and and the actual last five minutes which Ash talked about at the very beginning of this mm. is that the last five minutes for it to to finish in that fashion was, was fantastic. Listen on that sort of theme, uh, Dan would a question to add to the agenda and it's a question to the panel: If you could choose one player to come back out of retirement in their prime to play for the this Arsenal uh, squad, who would it be and why? And um, I, I've got your one league 
sent it through to me. So we'll start with you and then we'll try and go around with the others. Mm. Um, and, mm. and if we can try and not repeat each other, that would be fantastic. Well, this is, that's about as much prep we've done on it. So, Lee, over to you. Who would you choose to bring out of retirement at their prime and why? Uh, Patrick Vieira. And the reason being... Oh. I've, I've, well, uh, we're all going to go for that, aren't we? <laughs> I've over this lockdown period, I've watched a lot of old old games and the big games that we've played. Whenever you think about it, he has been the most prominent player in it, and I mean that more so than Dennis Burkamp because there was games when Dennis Burkamp didn't play. There was games uh, like the um, two thousand and two game at Old Trafford. Thierry Henry wasn't playing that day. Patrick Vieira was, and those games was he was when it really mattered. He turned up. He was the you know I I do believe. I think someone said it this week. One of the one of the players turned around and said that if it wasn't for Patrick Vieira, we wouldn't have won the tro- some of the trophies that we won. You know, he was that good. Um, and I've just watched it back. This is when fl- tackles were flying in. I just think that you know he, he was immense. And I just think that we don't really, really, and I, I don't mean mm. this horribly. I think he was underrated to, to a certain degree of, of of a player. I know that he's a world class player and all that, but I don't think he gets a credit. That he that he deserves. He was a colossus of a player, player that we've never ever got close to replacing, and I just loved him. And uh, watching in these games now, I just I, I just think to myself, wow, how lucky we was to have Patrick Vieira. And so that's why it's Patrick Vieira for me. So thanks for letting me go first, Fergus. Yeah, he was he was he was my first pick. Um, Looking at what we're we're missing, um, I think if we don't, if we are the center of the park is is the biggest area that of weakness for us at the moment. But I'd probably go back to center back then, and I'll go for Sol Campbell because I think when we got Sol Campbell, um, it was a huge, it was a huge deal. He came from down the road, um, never won anything, and within a couple of months, he's lifting um, trophies and and he's got a double. Um, but actually, in the same kind of spirit of Patrick Vieira, he became the leader of the back line. So even though he came in and played alongside like Adams and Keown for a while, in 2004, he was the outstanding centre-back. Like, And you saw it not just for us, but for England as well. So I think if you had Vieira back from, from what Lee said, you then have, say, a Campbell there as well. Like he's going to look after our defence. Like he had pace, he had power. And it's you can go for those kind of physical bits first, but actually his positioning was exceptional. Like he was brave. He didn't really care about putting his body on the line. Um, and actually he was really quite classy. He'd come out with the ball and he'd kind of like instigate attacks. And he really kind of like roused the like the, um, the dressing room again. And he was quite vocal and he had a lot to say, but he wanted to win and he wanted to be the best. And I think that's what we're missing now. We've got too many players that are nice and actually they need someone to kind of like shape them up and someone to lead from, by example. And for me, Saul Campbell definitely did that. What did you What did you think of Sol Campbell that night uh, at the West Ham game? You love this, don't you? <laughs> I mean, he, he has. Everyone has a bad game. Like everyone has a bad day at work. Um, I can think of bad games, and I think we're even going to speak about a, a a bad. Well, not a bad performance, but maybe our our main striker not doing what he should be doing um, in a final that's coming up in a second. But everyone has a bad game, and. Sol Campbell is, like we said, he's someone who he's he's had some issues in terms of kind of like his mental um, approach to games, how he feels. He's a very emotive player. So he had a bad day because he wasn't probably mentally right for that game. 
But let's look back at all the other games that he was meant to be right for and the amount of times that he, he actually was instilling a huge confidence in us. Like our level went up when he came. Our level definitely went up. And for us to go unbeaten, he was our main centre-back as well. So, yeah, there's, there's more good than bad games. Lee, um, just finishing up on, on, on the Vieira side of things, who, who won the battle then of Keane versus Vieira? Really, in your heart of hearts, who do you think won that battle? I think Vieira just. I think if I, if I'll be honest, I think Vieira uh, just. I think there was a will to win from Key. I loved Keane as a player, uh, as a, as a player. I couldn't stand him when he played because he was Man United. But like when you look back on it, I think he was a great player. But I just think Vieira just was a better footballer than him. He could just play. I think that um, he could just play a little bit more. And um, uh, listen, I think that at times Keane was was um, in better teams. Than, than than Vieira, you know, and um, Vieira, when he was in top top teams, he won things, you know. What I mean? But yeah, it's had players around him. But for me, I think that when they played against each other, I I, I don't think I think Vieira maybe not won the games, but between them two, I think he won more battles than, than Roy Keane, in my opinion. Okay, Dan, who's your player that you're picking now? Do we have a clue in the background? <laughs> no, we don't. We don't actually because. Um... I'm going to go with someone different because we're not allowed to repeat, but Lee's 100% right. It would be mm. Patrick Vieira. He'd walk in. And I think that for me, pe- people say, when the, where was the decline in Arsenal over the last sort of 15 years when we sold him and didn't replace him? You know, people said we replaced him. The RB didn't kick a ball hardly. So he was not even replaced. So for me, Patrick Vieira walks it. He, for me, balances not just our, the midfield, but the defence as well. And great in transition. And box to box, defensive, attacking, he can do everything. So for me, it has to be Patrick Vieira. But I'm going to go with, uh, if I can't pick Vieira, then I'm going to go with Tony Adams. Uh, I think the reason I'm going to go with... To- <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I'm going... The reason I'm going with Tony, the reason I'm going with Tony is because he's the best. He's Mr. Arsenal. He's the leader at the back, can defend and can play. People forget that Tony Adams mm. can play football. He wasn't just what is rock at the back. He could play. He could lead. Unbelievable defending. Great attitude. Brilliant passion. Captain at 17. Throughout everyone's career, you do not see another Tony Adams. You will not see another John Terry, Tony Adams, Stephen Gerrard, in my opinion, because footballs are just mercenaries now. When you look at it now. Tony Adams is Mr. Arsenal and deserves that statue for me. So with Tony Adams, we would have leadership at the back. He would sort that that back line out for one on his own. And I think that is what we need. I would go Vieira. I'd go Adams just ahead of Sol Campbell personally. Sorry, Trev. I know we've nicked all your free players now. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what? You, you absolutely have, Dan. Because I'd have gone Vieira like most of us would, right? Because... Lee summed him up perfectly. Complete player. He won the mind games with Keane. You've only got to look at that iconic footage of them both in the tunnel at Ivory. Vieira won that battle before they went on the pitch. You know, Keane was a mess and, and Vieira was was smiling. I, I, unlikely, I can't... I, I like Keane as a player when he played, but there's a couple of things he'd done in his career which which upset me. We didn't upset me, but I didn't like. When it... When it intentionally broke a player's leg, didn't he? And then he walked out on his country. Both of them things I don't quite get. Mm. So Vieira for me. And then I was when Lee said Vieira, I was thinking, <clears throat> right, where else do we need to strengthen in, in the current team? 
centre-back. And I'm mm. thinking, right, I'll have Campbell or Adams. These two before <laughs> me, these two kids before <laughs> me are not going to put Campbell and Adams. Stone the Christ, they have. Campbell and Adams are very similar players, you know. Very similar players. Both weren't afraid to run with the ball at their feet a little bit to get themselves out of trouble. Both brilliant editors of the ball are both not afraid to go forward when required, lacking that badly today. I mean, when you look at Mertesacker, I know Mertesacker's a kind of cult hero at Arsenal, but a bloke's nearly seven foot tall, couldn't head a ball. I, I, can, I think I can only remember him score one headed goal. He's a foot taller than everyone else, you know? So we miss Campbell and we miss Adam. So, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do, right? I am going to take it completely in the opposite direction, right? And if, you, if, if you've, you've nicked the three that I would have chosen, my next one, I've, I've just joined it down here then. I'm going to go back to my days. I'm going to say Frank McClintock, right? Because Frank McClintock was something else we've needed, a leader, a proper, no-crap-taking leader, centre-half who could play a bit, you know, talked a great game, strutted around the field with passion, with dignity and with strength, you know. So, and he would he would, he would, have done it exactly as you've said Campbell and Adams would have done in fairness, boys. He'd have filled that little gap at the back that we've had and he'd have made us much stronger defence. I'm going to go with, with Frank McClintock. And if you get a chance, just Google it and have a look and you see how he plays. He don't yeah, get a lot of mentions, so. do he, Trev? Really, to be honest. You don't get a, a great deal of mentions when I mention great Arsenal players. You know, Campbell yeah. Adams uh, uh, would get mentioned, David O'Leary, but Frank probably probably yeah. doesn't get mentioned as much as he should. You see, and he, he was a great captain. It's, it, they, they don't remember that. He, you know, when we, we won the Fairs Cup in 1970, right, we were, we were 3-0 down in, in – uh, we were 2-3-0 two, two, down in the first leg and uh, Ray Kennedy scored a goal to, 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 to make it 3-1 away in the final because the UEFA Cup was – Played final was played over two legs in them days, boys. Home and away the final, and so we played back at our place. And uh, Radford and Kelly and Samuels scored, and we won the Fairs Cup in 1970. And we hadn't won anything since 1953, right? We won the league in '53, and I don't remember that. By the way, I'm not that old. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and a, a massive part of of 1970, 1971, and we reached the final in the FA Cup again in 72. We got beat by Leeds in the final 1-0. A massive part of that team was Frank McClintock's leadership. Huge part. Can't be overstated. And you're exactly right, Lee. He doesn't get as enough mentions as he should. You know, when you think of 70-71, you think of Charlie George, don't you? And yeah. John Radford, you know, and, and Stroller, you know. Frank McClintock don't often get a mention and he, and he should get more. So here's me, man. Anyway, boys, big Frank McClintock. Well, he wasn't that big, actually. I think he was only about six foot. But Frank McClintock's my man. I was going to go for Tony Adams. <laughs> I was, I was going to go for Tony Adams for the reason that um, uh, Trev just said for uh, Frank McClintock that we need leadership and so on. But since the Vieiras and, and the other ones have been picked, I, I, I've had a look at the, probably one of the best teams that we've had in ever, uh, the Invincible team. I've got a picture of them on my wall above me there. And the one player that stands out, and it stands out from... Also, uh, watching the Keane versus Vieira documentary that was repeated on ITV recently over the lockdown. Um, and as Bobby Perez, he said, wow. uh, even Vieira mentioned mentioned uh, him and said that he was probably the best player he played with. Um, he mm. said defensively, he didn't do very much, but they allowed him that. 
because going forward, he could just open up and create so much stuff. And what are we crying out for right now? We're crying out for somebody to be creative. We've got somebody on 350 grand a week who should be able to do that job, but he's not. Uh, but uh, Bobby Perez uh, would be the one I would have picked. Favourite player. Yeah. My right, favorite. Player. yeah, yeah, Carl Ford. Right. I know we're going to talk about it in a minute, but you boys will remember it. I will never ever forget, and I, I've not watched it back evenly. I occasionally see the highlights if I have to, but Perez's face when they subbed yeah. him in the 2016 mm. oh, that was man. him saying goodbye, wasn't it? That was him done. Oh, Such a shame, man. massive mistake, still massive brings, mistakes. Still brings a tear to my eye now, it does. Still brings a tear to my eye. I know Fergus, we're going to get onto listen, it. Listen, mate. This, oh, sorry, Ash, go on. Go on no, I, I know we're going to get onto it, but I would have I would have taken Lundberg off just because I think Perez is more of a like was more of a goal threat. Um, he always outscored him, and I just think th- there was something special about he was going to do something special at the final. Hold that thought because we yeah, are, as you it. say, we're going to come up. <laughs> uh, Trev, you were going to say something before we got to that game. Yeah. Just before we move on to that, can I just go back to one more FA Cup final? I'll take one minute, Fergus. Boys, we, you know, we talked about the 78 and 79 finals, but we reached the final again in 1980, you know, and we got beat by West Ham. Trevor Booking stuck his head. Only ever, only header Trevor Booking ever scored, I think. Stuck his head on the ball early in the game and West Ham weren't one nil up and, uh, they hung on and we got beat 1-0 in the 80 final. But what sticks in my mind, and you boys might have seen it, and if you haven't seen it, everyone, I would suggest you Google it. The 1980 final, uh, West Ham had a very young Paul Allen playing for him. He was only 17. He was, I think he was the youngest player ever to play in a cup final. And and there's not long there's not long to go. And uh, Arsenal push forward and Paul Allen breaks a tackle and he's through on goal. He's going to be the youngest player ever to score at Wembley, right, in a cup final. And Willie Young, our centre-half, did the best professional foul I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Absolutely. Took his legs from under him. This day and age, it would have been an instant sending off. Then then it was an unlucky yellow card, you know. And as a a joke today, I still say he was going for the ball and he just mistimed it. But 1980 (laughs) final, Google 1980 FA Cup final, Willie Young tackle, lads, and... uh, let me know what you think. Brilliant. It's, it's, it's and, a comical you, moment. You got me. You got me. If you look at uh, at your Twitter uh, feed, uh, Trev, um, uh, Gunnar Hilsey, um, you will see that goal and uh, a conversation me and you had. And I, you said, oh, do you think he should have been a yellow? Was it a bit harsh and stuff like that? And I went, straight red. And you went, no, what, for diving? And you run about <laughs> Paul Allen diving. And I, I thought, really? I've, I've looked at back three or four times. And now you, you actually got me hook, hook, line and sinker. <laughs> <laughs> I did laugh. I did, I'm giggling now, Fergus, because you fell right in that trap, son. <laughs> I did. I did. So the first London team ever to reach Champions League final in May 2006. I remember it. I didn't have a ticket. Um, uh, I, I watched it just across the road in my local pub. Um, and we played Barcelona. At, at that time, Arsenal, we had we'd gone a couple of years beforehand, been invincible. Uh, we'd mm. gone 49 games unbeaten. Um, we were unlucky not to get a ch- to a Champions League final only a couple of years beforehand. Um, and we lined up uh, an extremely, extremely strong lineup. Um, and we went to Paris and, and 
watching it back again today, you can just hear Paris is alive with Arsenal fans. You've only come to see the Arsenal. That's all you could hear singing and singing and singing. It was it was stunning to watch. And the cop end they had it in yellow, stripes of yellow and and white for some reason. But it was yellow, but it was big blocks of yellow shirts of Arsenal fans. What did you guys make of the lineup? Anybody be anybody there? First of all, uh, you would have been too young, Ash and and, and Dan, but. Guys, either one of you managed to get a ticket to go out there? No, I didn't get a ticket. Couldn't get a ticket for that one. So, no, uh, me it neither. was a tough ticket holder. I remember I was coaching at the time and I thought, oh, man, I must be able to get one. But I'd say it was so many Arsenal fans went out there without tickets as well, you know. So, even if you was going to go out there, you you know, it was a tough, tough ask to get a cup final ticket for that. Like, mm. you know, so, very tough. And we're going to try to look at this... Not 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 through like glasses half empty, but look at some of the positives on there, and look at some of the, some of the stuff, and discuss a bit like what Ash was doing there about the the substitutions when um, uh, the substitution with Perez was taken off and so on, and look at things that you might have done differently. Have a look back at it almost like as if it happened yesterday, and we're looking back at the game more than anything else. So lineups came up. Um, Arsenal had gone into that game not conceding a goal in the last ta- mm. 10 Champions League games. So, like, you know, we, we were in a very, very strong position. Barcelona were Barcelona. Um, do you think, anybody think that we went in there as underdogs or do you think we went in there as the favourites? Oh, underdogs. They were a very underdogs. good side. Underdogs, definitely. Yeah. 100% we were underdogs. And you look at what Barcelona had in that team at the time. For me, two of the best players in the world were playing that night, Thierry Henry and Ronaldinho. And believe it or not, they were two of the weaker players on the pitch. Uh, the reason that I believe that we lost that game was because they brought on Henrik Larsson, who completely mm. changed the game, completely mm. and utterly changed the game. And we couldn't keep up. But we got to start. The first thing is is Jens Lehmann. Um, and that will bring in Ash nicely to talk what he was saying earlier. Because, you know, <laughs> the way that it is, I'd rather them just let them have that goal and then we carry on 11 v 11. Um, and he doesn't get sent off. You know, let him have the goal. Um, but unfortunately, no, he gets sent off. They obviously, uh, you know, for me, I'd rather was, was have that had the, that goal. So. Was that the right decision? Forget about being an Arsenal fan, Barcelona fan. Try and think of it as a football fan. And and, and the guys who've done some level of coaching, refereeing, and, and have a bit more knowledge about football, the goal, should, should the goal have stood... And could they have left the player on? Um, I'll jump in. So they definitely could have done that. But I think when the whistle was blown, the ball is trickling towards the net. But the referee's kind of almost made the decision. I think as he's coming out, he's probably think if he hits him, he's gone. And I think sometimes the referee will make a decision maybe a couple of seconds before there's even contact. And that's what yeah. I think happened. He's like, he's made the decision. It's happened. Then he's kind of seen the ball's gone in. But... In my mind, I'm going to make this decision. And then obviously you've kind of got like some of the like Barcelona players were kind of running over and stuff like that. And it was just, I think he was just stuck. And he's like, you know what, letter of the law. And I think sometimes you have to remember that every single referee is kind of adjudicated on their performance. So sometimes they'll think it's, it's safer for me to do the right thing, which is by the, by the law, then put an interpretation on the game. Then I might actually be pulled up on that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Trev, I think it was letter of the law, wasn't it? Letter of the law. Yeah, it, it's 
It's a difficult one, and I, 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 everyone there, all the panel there has made very good points. I think I'd have rather see Layman's down a pitch and us go mm-hmm. one nil down. But as if if the if the if the refs whistled before before the ball went in the net, then he, he can't give the goal, right? In them day and age, that that was a, that was the letter of the law. When it if he's whistled, game stops. So he's whistled. But what 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 what? There's two things that go in my mind from that incident. Firstly, right, if he had played on, if he'd have said, if the referee had said, in my mind, that's a professional foul, but I'm playing advantage and they score, would he have still come back and sent Lehman off? Because he's playing advantage for a foul that's been committed. I don't know, right? Secondly, the one thing that annoyed me that was, I I can't, is it Eduardo, Eduardo, the Barcelona player that night? I could still still see him. The first thing he did was right up in the referee's face, waving that red card, red card, red card. And and I hate that. I hate that in any game, you know. But that night, I could it still sticks in my head. It jars me. It does really jars me. So from that instant, they're, they're my two two memories. And by the way, it was a foul. It, 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 no doubt mm. about it. It was a foul. Yeah. There was probably about three fouls, and he went out two footed. Uh, didn't clearly make contact with him, but he then, when he when the player had him more or less beaten, uh, he went and chucked his arm back and grabbed him and and, and pulled him back again. Mad man, Lee, uh, <laughs> Lee, um, Jens Lehmann ended up being the, the the first player to be sent off in the Champions League final. What were your thoughts on it? And um, do you think it was right? Do you think like what Trev said that it could have been yeah. both a red card and a goal? Yeah, I, I thought it was it was the right decision. I, listen, you know, people go on about Jens Lamb. I'm, I'm, I'm never a lover of him. You know what I mean? Cost me the, the, the joys of 2004 by stupidity mm-hmm. you know, at White Hart Lane because, you know, it took when we when we won at White Hart Lane, yeah, we drew at White Hart Lane, we won the league there. It took a dampener off of me because we was 2-0 up, you know, and, and in with his antics, cost us then. And, and, and he'd done it, you know, cup final... Bit of rash, come running out. No need to come running out. Made the foul, and when it happened, like, like all of us, you're just thinking, "I'll oh, let the goal stand and keep it to 11 because we had to change things after that, which Ash was going to go on to. Um, but for me, that, you know, that was the breaker. I know what Dan turned around here and said, "Oh yeah, Larson coming on," which is which is a fair point. But but at that stage, we we was down at 10 men for a majority of the game, and we just Ooh. tired. We just needed to. You know, hopefully Henri would have took one of those one-on-ones or we've just holding on. As soon as they equalised, you knew it was in. It was done. It was done. You know what I mean? It was just a matter of when. Um, and that's why... We also, we also had a clowning goal, by the way, which I'll come on to. Well, in a yeah, we put in a Moonier in goal. I, I would have put Perez in goal. There you go. So that's... <laughs> so, um, um, it was... Uh, I, I, and for those sort of reasons, that's why I can't watch it. What, what, I don't watch yeah. it back. And, uh, you know, listen, I, I when people turn around and say, well, I was like, gutted, I was never gutted because I was proud of the Arsenal. I was I'm proud that we got through that, that uh, to the final. I didn't think we was going to win it because Barcelona were a special side. Mm. It, was just an, it was an achievement to get there. And do you know what? Despite all the things with Lange, we put in a fantastic performance that night. You know I mean? Each and every one of them. And we was just unlucky on the day, you know. Um, things didn't go for us. I think conditions didn't help as well, you know, when the rain was cu- coming down and you're defending. It's harder to defend in the rain than it is attacking. Uh, and it just didn't go for us on the night. And um, it, it was heartbreaking in the end. But, you know, once they scored, that was it. 
Can I just stick up for Jens um... Lehmann just before, because just before you go to Ash, because Jens Lehmann, for me, made two of the most crucial saves to get us where we were. Against Paul Scholes in 2005, we wouldn't have won the FA Cup final against United. And against Raquel, maybe we wouldn't have even got to that final in Paris. So uh, I'll stick up for Lehmann there. He's a tremendous goalkeeper. A great goalkeeper, but he had that... Madman moment, to it? Madman moment. And, you know, I think you either love him or hate him for it. You know, for me... I, it was on the other day, the cup final, and I'm, I'm shouting at the telly, you stupid system. <laughs> I was calling him, you know, I mean, no need for it. But that was him, you know. So yeah. if you take the, the rough with the smooth, I, I get that, yeah. And Ash, you uh, already touched on this slightly beforehand. Perez was taken off. It was basically mm. the last game of his career for Arsenal. Um, as uh, as a substitute for Lehman, and then they brought on Almunia with a, uh, a dodgy moustache as well. So um, I'll leave it to you to talk about that for a second. Um, can we just to take a, a quick step back? We did go ten yeah. games um, without conceding a goal, and our defense didn't look anything like it did on the actual final. Because remember, Senderos was playing, yeah. um, as well as kind of Flamini, Flamini. yeah, at, at left back. So yeah. it's weird. We actually improved our defense that day. And that's when we conceded the two goals. So the irony in that always kind of like hits me. I, I would never have said to start Senderos or, or Flamini at left back with the players who we brought in, Campbell and Cole. Um, but yeah, that run was, it was hard. Like th- this was the first time I'd really seen Arsenal do well in, in the Champions League. There's been a couple of times where we fell over ourselves. Um, between 2002 and 2004, I think we were the best team in Europe. And the fact that we didn't get to a uh, Champions League final beforehand was, was quite heartbreaking. So when we when we eventually got there, we got there when our team was at its weakest. If you look at that kind of period, um, and yeah, we're like we're now there, and obviously Wenger's changed the formation as well. We used to always kind of go with a four four two. He very much made it like a four five one. He was we we went into it as underdogs because we had Omri, and the idea was to kind of like in transition to get them and to pick them off. Um, as I said earlier on. Lundberg stayed on the pitch, which I get. He maybe has a few more legs than than Perez, but to me, Perez was always a better goal for it. I know Freddie scored some amazing goals for us, like including like, cup finals and stuff like that. But if you actually go through the records, like Perez tended to outscore him every single season. So I, I for me, goals need to always be on the pitch. So I would have kept Robert Perez on the pitch. And I think he could have just kind of created something. He could have done something else. Look, Freddie actually had a chance down the left-hand side where the ball's played in. Him and Henri kind of had a bit of link up. And yeah, he did okay. Freddie was always, to me, better on the right. Yeah, the um, yeah. yeah, Freddie was always better on the right, kind of coming in onto his strong foot. Whereas Perez, left foot, right foot, he's going to hit the target and he's going to score. So if we put Robert Perez in that position, are we 2-0 up? And again, there's, there's so many ifs, buts, maybe's like, what they say, if, if your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle. Um, <laughs> like, I, I but I still sit here in 2006 because I've never been more hurt after a game. Like, I remember it. I watched it with my nan, who's no longer with us. Um, and I remember just walking out the house before the they, they showed the trophy. And I walked the length of kind of, I live in West London. I walked from Labbert Grove up to Notting Hill, Kensington, to, to um, Marble Arch and came all the way back. I was walking for like two and a half hours just on the phone in silence. I was so heartbroken. And even now I'm still kind of still, I watched the highlights 
even I shut it off before. I couldn't even watch the, the whole highlights because I, 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 I couldn't watch the trophy. Yeah, I couldn't. It's still so raw. Um, but it was a gallant, it was a gallant but, effort. And like we said earlier on, you, it, sorry. No, I was only going to say that um, Dan mentioned about two players that failed to um, perform in, in that Champions League final, uh, Ronaldinho and um, Henri. Uh, Ronaldinho misses that free kick given from the, the, the layman f- uh, uh, foul, red card uh, decision, remains nil-nil and we're down to 10 men. Um, Henri uh, missed a, a, a half a dozen, at least, mm. clear chances. Um, you know, if it wasn't for Abue and his theatrical dive and the referee having a little bit of a mare again, yeah. uh, Sol Campbell might not have been able to get that goal on the 37th mm. minute. But, um, Dan, what did you make of, of uh, Ronaldinho and Henri's performance? Was Henri's head in the game or was his head in the new Camp? Yeah, I think that definitely affected him. There was no idea of what was happening. I remember the last game at Highbury, he sat on the pitch of Ashley Cole and you could see they were both discussing whether they were going to be at the club or whether they were going to be gone. And I think that personally, the pressure had got to him a bit. Um, The big chance when he went through, you just think slot that home. I've seen you do it. You go and score an unbelievable goal at the new camp. Uh, sorry, at the Bernabeu. You go and see uh, score an unbelievable goal against Inter Milan a few years before that. And then you go through there and you just think, how many times have you seen him slot that home? And he misses and his head goes down and you think, what's going on there? Ronaldinho again. Everybody was talking about these two players in this game and it was not them. Um, and to put us 1-0 up, obviously the, the cross from Henri the header from Sol Campbell. There's two goals where I've gone absolutely nuts when Thierry Henry scored. One when he came back against uh, Leeds and scored. The other one in the last minute against Man United, um, the first year at the Emirates. But this goal, I've never gone so nuts when we went one nil. Uh, when we went one nil up, I've never celebrated so much in my life. Around my best mate's house with all their family, all my family, and two of my other mates um, who didn't support Arsenal. We were going absolutely nuts. And that for me was like, okay, please, now just just hold on. I don't care. Just win this 1-0. Play dirty. Please get it. And and obviously the rest is history. And for me, I'm with Ash. I wouldn't have taken Robert Pirizov. I think Wenger had lost faith in him at that time, saw that he was the one of the older players. Uh, and I think he knew his time was up. And that just put a nail in his coffin, really bringing Perez off. Uh, and then that's where it goes wrong for me. One nil up and then the rest of it, I, I find it hard to talk about. It's raw for me still. It's the mm-hmm. one time I thought between 2002 and 2006, we could have won two Champions Leagues and mm. we missed out on both. Mm. Mm. Lee, uh, 15 minutes to go. Iniesta, but a lovely pass through. Uh, Dan has mentioned earlier on about uh, Larson, um, a, a tiny little flick on to put Etu in, and it's one-one. Yeah, once that happened, it was it was a you know it was a tough year. You know, you can look at Amelia for that goal, but it, it was quite close. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I, I'm, I'm going back to the uh, decision about Perez. You know, I, I see what Finger was doing. There was we, we, we've gone down to ten men. We probably needed to defend a lot more, and I felt that probably Lundberg was a probably a better defender than than um, than Robert, and I think maybe that's why he's done that. But I, I, I never saw Wenger done. You know, when you turn around and go, "Oh, that was definitely a hundred percent wrong decision." I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't see it as that. I felt it was, <clears throat> you know, um, a, a difficult decision. 
And but as as Ash said and, and Dan, you know, as soon as he was going off, that was the end of Robert Perez, which was an absolute shame. You know, it didn't lead to, to end that way. But someone had to go, you know, and unfortunately it was him. But as I say, when they two scored, you know, that that was a wonderful side. You have to, you know, and yeah. I, I felt um we we done really well with ten men. We played them really, really well. Henri, unbelievably, never scored for us in a cup final and um, never quite done it for us in cup finals. Missed a few chances. I remember against Liverpool, I think on this day, was it in 2001, that um, Liverpool beat us. We, we should have beaten them that day and Henri missed a couple that day. Um, and it just wasn't to be. I, I, I do agree with what Dan's saying. I think that there was a lot of talk about him going to Barcelona. I think he was virtually going to Barcelona at that stage. Um, he left after the game. And, um, yeah, so it looked like he was going to go. He, he ended up staying another year, but never really was art and soul was in it, you know. Um, uh, or, or was it? He, or he did go to Barcelona straight after that, didn't he? Was it the season? He no, went? year after. No, year after. He had come to the Emirates with us, didn't he? And then he left after that one year. Yeah, so we had that. Yeah, so that's it because we went into the Emirates that year, didn't we? Yes, right. So he did have a year year with us, and um, but. He wasn't the, the same one, Ree. He wasn't the same. And, you know, so this is what I say about if, if players want to leave, I think that his, his art was somewhere else. And not a saying at that moment, because I think, you know, he would have loved to have scored at that moment in time and to, to win the, the, the Champions League for us and all that, like, you know. But what sticks in my what sticks in my mind really, really vividly is just before um, Etu scores, we have a corner down their end and Henri gets the ball uh, and he goes to take the corner and he's on his haunches, huffing and puffing. Okay, yeah, they've all played out of their skins for like 60, 70 minutes uh, down to 10 men, but he's huffing and puffing. And I just thought it always stuck with me like, no, come on, you're meant to be. He was captain. I think on the night as well. Um, you're meant to be there leading the front line, and it looked like he'd given up. And I just didn't like that. You see, the thing that no, the, the thing is, Fergus, wait a minute, wait a minute, son. Firstly, someone made an interesting point to me today in that um they didn't think that Omri's attitude towards the end of 2006 season was ne necessarily where it where it had been previously. Not that that would affect his goal scoring. But come on, he's huffing and puffing when he takes that corner, Fergus. You've got to give him a bit of a break, mate, in that they've just played all that time with 10 men against the best side in Europe. Mm. And they were shattered. And Lee rightly said it. I could see it coming before they scored their first goal, to be honest. that We, we, we were out on our feet and, and, and we were done in. And it's, it, it, make, it brings a tear to my eye to say it, but... But, you know, I, I knew it was coming. It was horrible. Henri would have scored. Give him them chances he had in that Champions League final. <laughs> and in every other game he ever played in, he would have scored. It was scored. No doubt yeah. in my mind. He just he had just had one of them nights where nothing was going right, mate. You know, and, and you see, we got tired as well because Lee rightly said, what came towards the back end of the game, that rain. The rain, and it's a big pitch, and 10 men. I know they're meant to be professional fit players, but they're playing against 11 professional fit players. So they were going to go. We, I knew their legs were going to go. Oh, gutted. So Trev, um, 76 minutes, Eto scores. 81st minute, Belletti uh, comes on and scores. Should Almunia have done better for that uh, goal? 
I, I think that I think that if you if you really put your blinker glasses on, you could make a case for Armonia in both the goals making a bit of a hash, right? You could make a case for it, uh, and I think a better goalkeeper maybe a David Seaman or or someone of that calibre saves one of those two. He saves one of those two, you know. So yeah, I mean, we all know my thoughts on Arsenal goalkeepers that we had <laughs> in that period. You know, that they, it was it wasn't pleasant, and I think that a, a very good goalkeeper saves one of them two shots that was that was Barcelona's two goals. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And a final question, a final question to the panel. Um, and whoever wants to stick their hand up first to go on this one, they can. Um, Ricard, the uh, manager uh, of oh, yeah, Barcelona, go on. Uh, <laughs> um, was was he was he tactically better than Wenger with his substitutions? We talked about Larson, uh, uh, Belletti, and so on. Was he tactically more astute uh, than Wenger, or was it? What happened in the game that went against Wenger? Ash, go first. Right. Go on. You haven't spoken for oh. a bit. <laughs> um, I think the quality he was able to bring on was higher than the quality that we had at that time. As I said, I think this was the, the team was kind of on a bit of a downward spiral in terms of quality off the bench. Um, the players who were going to come on weren't necessarily as, as as good as they had. I mean, they're bringing on, um, they're bringing on Larson. Um, I think they brought on. Did Me- I think Messi was on the bench as well? No, it wasn't. So Iniesta, Javi was on the bench, Silvino and Belletti. Like they're 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 top quality players. Um, and I just think we just didn't have we didn't have enough to kind of bring on that were players who were like at, at their optimum. Um, I think Rijkaard had just had an amazing team. Um, Barcelona were the outstanding team of that 2006 season. Um, so yeah, I just think they just had they had more. More, more to their arsenal. <laughs> um, Go on, and- perfect. <laughs> right, I, I want to go back to the subs, right? Because I'm, I, I was, I was daydreaming a bit when, when, when you boys were talking about mm. taking Perez off, right, to bring uh, the Almonia on. I, I, I could should he not have took Kleb off? Could Kleb not have gone off? You see, and and, and you speak about like keeping defenders on because we're going to need to defend. But if, if you've got a player with a quality of Perez in the last 20 minutes of the game, if you want to defend less, you just give the ball to him and he's off up the field and he takes that pressure off, you know? So there's two ways of looking at how you best defend. Sometimes the best defence is to have a real good attacking player who's great with the ball at <clears> his feet to relieve that pressure. You know, you get the ball up the field to him and say, hang on to it a minute. So, yeah, um, now I've forgotten what the question was on that old and geriatric. What was the question? Can I, can I quickly jump the, the, in on that? Yeah, go for it, mate. Go on. Yeah, just I think Kleb is a great ball carrier. So it actually made more sense to keep him on. I think Freddie's the end of, he's a kind of an end of move winger in the sense of he's not going to do too much on the ball, but if you put him in certain positions, he can kind of do that. And I think out of the three wide plays who we had on the pitch, I think Freddie had the least amount to give in that game. So I would actually have kept Kleb on because he's a really good ball carrier and he was the fittest out of the three of them. But I think Perez is a better goal option and that's why I would have kept him on. 
I think if you look at yeah. energy and movement, though, I think Freddie and Kleber probably got mm. both of them more than Pires. So if Wenger's thinking that, thinking back at it, maybe that's what he was. I'm trying to put my kind of mindset yeah, yeah. to why he took Pires okay. off. I wouldn't have. I love Pires. I would have kept him on. But mm. I'm thinking maybe that's what Wenger did. And maybe Wenger just didn't see him as the future and thought, mm. well, I can't take Freddie and Kleber off because they're joining me at the Emirates. Pires' time is up. That's all I'm thinking. But I, I, I would have kept him on 100%. I'm with you, Ash. And something else you've got to remember, boys, so that we've we've had like an hour to talk about it and think about it. In in Wenger's defence, he had true. to make a split second decision. Yeah. You know, he had a few seconds to think. Right, what am I going to do here? Yeah, that's what I'll do. But I'm going. Yeah. You see, you have to. You have to remember. You know, we said you boys said that we went into that game as underdogs, and we did because the bookmakers said we were. But don't forget, we were so good that season, right through the competition, man. I mean, we won in Real Madrid. First English team to win at Real Madrid, you know. Yeah. Beckham and the boys got, and Beckham and his Galacticos Didn't got score sent away. You what? Didn't score a goal against us in two legs. No, they didn't, no. And then and then we've got... And Juventus, play. Juventus, that was class. Mate, we've played against Juventus and they've not scored a goal against us in two legs. Yeah, you know, and, and then we've played what was a very good Villarreal side at the time mm. in the semis, and we've put them to bed. So you know, you got to remember <laughs> that. God, it guts me because that was the best chance. Probably this is a bit depressive for me, not you boys, but in my lifetime, that's probably the best chance I'll ever see of Arsenal winning the Champions League. The way things are at the minute. Yeah, I mean, we were very. If we were underdogs, I'm telling you now, we were very slight underdogs because Barcelona never had Messi. Messi was injured, right? And you can name your Eto's and your uh, and and your Ronaldo's, but we can match that, right? We had Terry Omri on his the best striker in the world on his day, you know, and and we had Big Sol Campbell, the best centre half in the world on his day. So I don't look upon us as under. I think we just we were a bit unlucky. We didn't get the run on the ball and. Now I'm going to cry, so I'm going to shut up and go away. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> right. Yeah. La- last question for the group before we close up, and I'll, I'll direct this to Lee, first of all. Lee, how long do you think it will be before we are at that level again that we can be at a Champions League final? Forget about whether the season is going to start, not all that sort of stuff. Just assuming normality sort of thing. M- minimum five years. Minimum five years before I, I think we're challenging... Um, when we're eating, we're, when we're dining at the top table, as they speak, I, I can't see it for a very, very long while. You know. And do you think that will be under Arteta? Yeah, I do. I think that I, I honestly believe that Arteta is. We're we're we're, we're going back to 1986, where um, when George Graham took over at Arsenal, we was in the same sort of position, and we needed someone to come in with direction and discipline and change our fortunes around rely a little bit on youth players. Um, and I think that Arteta's sort of like come full circle is that sort of man, you know what I mean? It's uh, been at the club. I, I do like what he's doing. Um, I feel that if we buy the right couple, it's really hard to say now, but like if we do buy it, if we are allowed to buy players in the summer, we buy a central defence defense and a central midfielder, we'll be in and around the top four. But to get up to another level, it is going to take time, and it's going to, you know, some like Marte, Martinelli's got to develop into a superstar for us to to, yeah. to to hit that level, which he's capable of doing, by the way. Any advances on five? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to go for eight. Um, 
I think eight years. I don't Champions League winners. I think is is different to uh, to winning an FA Cup or or challenging for a title. So I think personally, it's harder to win um, the Champions League than it used to be. So yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say eight years. I don't think it will be Arteta personally. Um, I, I like Arteta and I think he'll do well, but eight years time, I don't see him as the Arsenal manager. I don't think anybody lasts eight years now. So I think that uh, fans will get on his back before then because we have some very toxic fans do Arsenal. Uh, a few uh, losses and everyone will get on his back. So I don't want to be sound pessimistic, um, but because it's not, because eight years is not a million miles away. But um, I think we're looking between eight and ten as opposed to five, unfortunately. Mm. Ash, uh, final final say on this one. And then I know Trevor wants to talk a, a, a final mm-hmm. topic before we close. Yeah, I'm with Potsy. I just think we're going to need to kind of really gut our squad out, get the right players in. Then we're going to have to get back into the Champions League. And then we're going to have to kind of contend in the Champions League for a number of years as well. So I think I think we're definitely looking at more more closer to 10. Um, however, I'd love I'd love it to be five years. Um, but I just Same. don't see it happening. <laughs> mm. um, Trev, I know we talked about this in the, in the chat beforehand and uh, we've all seen um, what's been in the media about uh, our beloved uh, striker that was with us for years and years and years, a guy who was in um, who was in Olympiacos with, with you and, and, and all the other Arsenal fans. I know you want to talk about what's been recently happening on the social media. Don't want to expand hugely on it, but I do know... We all have very strong feelings. So I'll leave it to you since you brought it up. Fergus, it'll take me, it'll only take me 10 seconds to, to say what we have to say. Um, Twitter this week is, uh, I've seen two despicable acts on Twitter this week too. Firstly, our man Ian Wright faced some of the worst racist abuse I've ever seen on Twitter. And he put it up for us all to see. And, and it brought, uh, and it was so upsetting. So mm. upsetting. So I just want to say, not this ain't not just to Arsenal fans, just to everybody. Just just leave it be. Let, that, if, don't just don't do it. Just don't do it. It's it's despicable behaviour and and I, I can't put it into words how sick it made me feel. Ian Wright is the most. I've been I've been to one of his one of his evenings and was lucky enough to have a very brief chat with a man. And I've and and we all see the way he conducts himself and the heart and the passion he has for football and Arsenal Football Club in particular. It, and England. Don't, don't don't do it to the man. Do, don't do it to anybody. Don't. It's horrible. Think about what. Think about your actions. And if you do anything like that, take yourself off down the police station and add yourself in because you need to be. You need to be nicked. And secondly, not 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 on that level. A lovely lady uh, called Jill Armstrong, who is who is the daughter of the of the the amazing George Armstrong. She she's so passionate about her dad's memory and what he did for the Arsenal. Uh, every day she's on Twitter putting pictures of her dad on and 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 praising him. And we all have a lovely chat about him, us olders about his memories. And and some idiot this week decided they were going to get stuck into her and give her some horrible abuse as well about her dad. And 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 that's that's not required either. That's not done. Just just I'm not going to get sweary about it. I'm not going to get shouty about it. All I'm going to say is just. Just stop it. I'm not going to say please because people like you don't deserve please. Just stop it. You know, just take yourself off and, and don't have anything to do with us or any of our lives. It's I, I'm, I'm sickened with it this week. 
Sorry, Fergus, but I had to say. No, I can't. Yeah. I echo everything. I agree, man. Jill's a lovely, lovely woman as well. Like you know, and you know, if 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 people don't know what Georgie Armstrong just wasn't a great player for the Arsenal, he was also a great coach and coached a lot of the the young players that come through. Um, you know, died on the training field at, at the Arsenal as well. You know, so you know, and she puts photos up every day, and they're great to see. You know, every time you wake up in the morning, there's a picture of Georgie on there, and I think it's fantastic that she's keeping his memory going. And to be abused is, is is ridiculous. And you know, listen. I think the one with right right, he done the right thing. He's he's exposed the the, the kid who needs to be. Um, you know, I think he has handed himself in. He needs to be disciplined and and educated. You know, this what he's doing is is totally not right in any shape or form. And uh, not just because it's Ian Wright. It could be any any uh, black person. It's just totally out. Unacceptable in this day and age, and uh, it, you know, it, it shouldn't even be about color. You just shouldn't be speaking to people that way. No, I just you, find you it. You can do on Twitter, can't you? That's the thing. People on social media feel you can, and you know, you can go on there and abuse people and all that. And it's mm. you know, it's it's not it's well, not shame cool. on himself, shame on himself, shame on his family, and shame on Ireland as well, because the guy is is from yeah. Ireland, which is yeah. uh, pointing for me as well. So, boys, anything to add before we close? Yes, no, from me. I'm going to lighten it a little bit. I didn't answer the question before. Lee said about teams dining at the top table. What you've got to remember, boys, is that money rules the game nowadays, right? Money rules the game. And every season, there's more and more teams coming to dine at that top table, right? You watch yeah. Newcastle now. Newcastle got billions in the bank now. We all know where they're going, big club. So I hope it's five years. I hope it's within 10 years because after about 10 years, I'll probably be in my wheelchair not being able to see it. But, you know, um, I hope we come back kicking and fighting. And Arteta is the man. And at the end of the day, it's all about the Arsenal. Win, lose or draw. Just you do have a wheelchair. Can I be a designated um, carer? Because then as a season ticket holder, I get a free season ticket effectively. <laughs> do you know what? My missus said to me today, because we were... I, she said to me, do you know what? If you're in a wheelchair, she said, I'll never leave you. I'll wheel you everywhere. I'll wheel you down the pub, she says. And then she said, I'll leave you outside while I pop in for a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I right. do love Donna. She's brilliant. <laughs> Boys, oh. um, as always, has been fantastic. Ash, thank you uh, very much. Tell people where else they can uh, get what you do. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do and, and, and where to find us. Find you, uh, yeah. Cheers, thanks for inviting me on. Lovely to meet um Trev and Lee for the first time. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> I, work, I work on a podcast with um two of my colleagues, um, Ben and Cal. We work on the Play On podcast, which was out yesterday. So if you go onto any streaming platform and you look up Play On, you'll find us. And that's part of the Beer, Rap and Banter um podcast series. So one week is the Play On Football podcast. The other week is the um, Beer, Rap and Banter podcast. So if you like beer, you like rap, you like banter, we're the place for that. Thank you very much. Dan, uh, you're everywhere, aren't you? Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. Man, I've been I've been on Play On and, and it's a decent podcast, man. Really good with Ash, Cal and Ben. Great lads. And um, yeah, really good listen on both Play On and Beer, Rap and Banter. Um, but yeah, man, just uh, every day I'm hoping for some positive news. So um, every day is closer to some positive news, surely. 
but cheers for having us boys and i really enjoyed that and cheers fergus no worries at lee as always thank you very much no um, worries. no worries pleasure pleasure you're on three weeks three weeks running at this rate well, yeah, like you know, so I'm I'm, I'm honoured. I'm honoured. Like nice to meet Ash as well. Always nice to meet new people, new Arsenal fans. So it's been a, it's been a positive day. Positive day. By the way, th- there's no fee during lockdown. You know that. Oh, you didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Trev, uh, see you later, mate. Love to Donna. <laughs> yeah, cheers, mate. Cheers. Lovely to meet you, Ash. Great talking yeah. to you, mate, and. Uh, Lee and Dan, as usual, it's been a pleasure. And Fergus, yeah, you're not bad too. Cheers, Trevor. So, yeah, nice one, Fergus. Brilliant. Um, guys, I've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Uh, if you like what we do, click on subscribe on YouTube or on any of the, the, the audio platforms we do. Um, do listen to Play On, especially the one at the end of May. Apparently, they're upping their uh, standard of guests that they bring on at the end of May. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's just something you said that was. Before, but yeah they're, they're getting in some some really 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 good guests in uh, at the end of may so have a listen to that one uh, i'm sure you enjoy it only one last thing to say guys up the arse up the arse thanks for listening to guns and yellow ribbons an arsenal podcast by arsenal fans for arsenal fans Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons and remember to rate and review us too.